presented by Millie Package. Welcome in to Division Two Sports Radio. Today, we have a very special show planned for our listeners. Today, joining me is our UFC expert, Jack Valderrama, who is joining us for the second time here in 2021. Jack, welcome back on to Division Two, my friend. Hey, how you doing, Blake? I'm glad to be back to Division Two. Thanks yeah, for having absolutely. me. Absolutely. We're glad to have you, and uh, even more glad to be talking about UFC 262 this Saturday night in Houston, Texas. So Uncle Dana has done it yet again. We always say this, but uh, he always surprises us with these cards and they seem to get better and better every time that he puts them together. So uh, this, this card, I'm, I'm stoked. Let me just say it. I think that this is gonna be one of the best cards we see all of 2021. You got Tony Ferguson making his return, his first fight of 2021 after a disappointing 2020. We also have the lightweight championship on the line as Habib Nurmagomedov has relinquished the belt after retiring following his win over number two ranked Justin Gaethje. So Jack, my first question for you is, what are you expecting from newcomer Michael Chandler and then of course Charles Dubronx Oliveira in this main event? I'm, exp I'm expecting a great uh, bout. You know, two of these guys are extremely energized right now. They're at the peaks of their career. Um, Michael Chandler is an extremely exciting guy. You saw what he did with Hooker in the first round, knocking him out. And Charles Oliveira is on a eight fight win streak, I believe, something like that. He's been absolutely unreal. I don't see this fight going the distance though. I don't see it going past the third round, to be honest. Um, that is a bold prediction right there. I mean, with the, with these two guys ground game though, you got to think, you know, will it end up on the ground or do you see this fight kind of, kind of staying on the feet to start? Right. Um, both of these guys, uh, you got Oliveira, who's a Brazilian black belt jiu-jitsu belt. And then you got a guy like Michael Chandler, Chandler who's an all-American wrestler at Missouri. So when it comes to the ground, it's going to be an extremely even match, I believe. So I'm, I, I'm really thinking this fight comes down to who has a better stand-up game, you know, because both of them are proven on the ground and both of them know what they're doing and are extremely comfortable on the ground fighting. Right. And you mentioned Michael Chandler. And I want to talk about Michael Chandler because he's kind of struck a nerve with some UFC fans before coming over from Bellator, being kind of the new guy on the block. Right. So he's only fought two and a half minutes in his UFC career. As you stated earlier, Dan Hooker was his last fight. He fought on uh, the Conor McGregor, the Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier card. And he showed up. He came out in impressive fashion and could not have made a more definitive statement. So, Jack, my question here for you is, is Michael Chandler deserving of this fight? I believe he is deserving. You know, Dana White uh, mentioned how timing was everything. And with Habib relinquishing his title and retiring, it couldn't be a better time for him to step up. He was a champion in the two previous organizations that he belonged to. So I believe he is deserving. What he does in the octagon, he's got such power in that left hand. So I, I think he is deserving. You know, there's, a, there's some other guys in the division like Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor who all definitely deserve the title shot as well. And I think it's a great time for the lightweight division. You know, with Habib there, no one's beating him and no one was ever going to beat him. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for some new competition and for there to be a new lightweight king. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, it's exciting because it felt like, you know, kind of like what we're dealing with right now in that 170-pound division with Kamara Usman. Can anyone even beat Habib? You know, it's, it's, it's at the point where Habib kind of either had to make, make a, a true decision. Does he want to retire and be the GOAT? Or does he want to continue to fight and still be the GOAT and continue to face guys that he knows he's levels above? So it's an interesting, interesting take you had there. But the, the rankings are, are interesting right now. You mentioned Dustin Poirier, who will be fighting against Conor McGregor here at UFC 264. But he's the number one ranked fighter. And then you mentioned to me a few days ago, Justin Gaethje. So what do you think's next for Justin Gaethje? You think he kind of sits back and just lets everything fall into place and then he's going to be there whenever he's ready? That's, that's what my biggest question has been is why hasn't he been given a fight yet? You know, um, I think he's waiting to see what happens with Dustin and McGregor. And he's also waiting to see what happens with this fight. In my opinion, if there's anyone deserving the title shot, it's Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje. You know, two, th those two guys are absolute beasts. In my opinion, Dustin Poirier deserves a shot the most. But if McGregor beats him, then it would clearly go to Conor McGregor or Justin Gaethje, I believe. So this trilogy fight is everything. I couldn't be more – I think that's the fight that I'm most excited for coming up is, is uh, the trilogy between Poirier and McGregor. So I'm, I couldn't be more excited for this lightweight division. I think it's going to be the most – I think it is the most competitive division in the UFC by far. I don't think there's any other – names or talent in any other division that really competes with this one yeah I agree and I mean you just saw a guy in Gregor Gillespie uh here on fight night a few nights yeah. ago I mean he he's back he's the number 12th ranked fighter and then in between there you have a guy who you mentioned as as the guy to watch out for in 2021 and Islam Makachev you also right. have Paul Felder and then let's go up to number nine here so we have Benil Dariush and we also up at number five have Tony El Kukui Ferguson, who will be making his long-awaited return to the UFC after two really disappointing fights for El Kukui. So let's talk about that co-main just a little bit. He's back, and Benil Dariush is a pretty solidified fighter. He's on a five-fight win streak. And Tony, of course, on that two-fight skid. Does El Kukui get back on track Saturday night? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even consider it a two-fight skid. He fought two of the best fighters in the division, Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje, and was able to pretty much go the distance other than the, the TKO and the Gaethje fight, but that was with about two minutes in the fifth round. Um, Tony Ferguson is a proven, proven champion. He has one of the better chins I've seen in the USC, one of the better gas tanks in the USC. Even watching his press conference, the 262 press conference, I feel extremely confident that Tony Ferguson gets back on track. He was back to his old ways, back to his old trash-talking ways. And, you know, the fans are really behind El Kukui. I think he's one of the better um, – he's a money fight when it, when it comes to the UFC, you know. Any fight that he's on is going gonna, is gonna to do some views. People want to see this man fight. Yeah, he's ultimately, if not the most exciting fighter in the UFC – the most interesting fighter in the UFC. The guy is an absolute bizarre man. And Habib and his rivalry is unfinished. And I think the only true way that Habib is lured back out of retirement is truly if El Kukui can come back. I think Habib is sitting right now in Dagestan just in his head, probably, you know, listening to some of this banter, not taking it too seriously between Ferguson, of course. But I do think that Ferguson is the only person that could get Habib truly back into the octagon. 
unless McGregor does something incredible here in the next few weeks at UFC 264 on July the 10th. So you mentioned Charles Oliveira. Now, I'm looking here at Dubronx's record, right? And you said he's on an eight-fight win streak, which is correct. But 2016, he had two submission losses. So Ricardo Lamas and then, of course, Anthony Showtime Pettis. So he's shown he can be vulnerable on the ground. I am actually under the impression that this fight is stand-up for the majority of the time against, uh, against Michael Chandler, Iron Michael Chandler, of course. I think that ultimately this is going to come down to who's got the better stand-up game. And that's what you said earlier. So it will be interesting to keep an eye on that. But Dubronk seems incredibly, incredibly confident going into this fight. And that gets me going, man. I'm ready to see what happens in this main event. But let's talk a little Benil Dariush here in the co-main, okay? So Dariush is one of these guys that's a little bit interesting. I mentioned he's on a five-fight win streak with wins over Closa. Holtzman, and then, of course, a couple of others against Camacho, and then, of course, an up-and-comer in Drew Dober. So he's he's definitely a guy that you got to keep an eye on, but he had a tough time making weight. I wonder if this is going to play play an impact at all into the fight against Tony Ferguson, who seems to just, you know, condition better than anyone in the entire fight game. So do you see a guy like Darius potentially gassing out against a guy like Tony Ferguson, who arguably has the best chin in all of the UFC? To be honest, I'm not sure if I see him gassing out um, rather than just, you know, getting his, getting, getting his butt kicked on, 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 the, on the feet. Um, when you look at the resumes, Tony Ferguson has fought everybody. He never says no to a fight. He doesn't run from anyone. So I, I feel like that's just going to be the biggest, the biggest difference in the fight. I really don't think Darius uh, has a chance with Ferguson in this fight, even though Ferguson's coming off of a two-fight loss. I mean – this man has literally fought everybody who is anybody in the UFC other than like maybe Conor McGregor or Dustin Poirier when it comes to 155. But those that, that may be his next shot if he wins this fight. If Tony Ferguson wins this fight and gets back on track, he's right back in contention with a title shot, you know? So, so I, I, I'm expecting El Kakui to come back and see that a, a revitalized Tony Ferguson, much like the one – we saw when he was on the 12 fight win streak, one of the best fight win streaks in UFC history. Um, so yeah, to be honest, I haven't heard a lot about Darius in the past. I think this is his biggest uh, fight in his career by far, but I mean, you know, Tony Ferguson has been fighting guys like this since he was in the ultimate fighter. So I'm, I'm going to take Tony Ferguson in this fight. I love the confidence in El Kikui and you can see, man, he, he's ready to go. He's talking shit. He's going back to his old ways. He's a 26-5 and five fighter career, but he is 36 years old. He's getting up there in age, and he's at the point in his career where he's really kind of consistently fighting one or two fighters max a year, um, and that's okay. But I just kind of want to go through some of these fights that he's had recently where he was on that win streak, okay? So Kevin Lee, who right. showed that he's, he's, a, he's a fraud. He's a fraud. He's not consistent. And ultimately, he submitted – Tony submitted Kevin Lee in the third round uh, back in 2016. Right. If you recall that fight, Tony was losing that fight to Kevin Lee. Exactly. And then same thing goes uh, – he fought Anthony Pettis, who just recently lost his PFL debut. 
right. maybe time for a guy like that to kind of rethink his career as well with, you know, his legendary status that he's built throughout his UFC career. Um, and then in 2019, of course, he fought Cowboy Cerrone, who just recently lost to Alex Marone, who I really don't understand why Dana wants to continue to put Cerrone in the octagon. I know he's a fan favorite, but at this point, it might be time for him to walk away. But Tony Ferguson, man, he's, he's not really fought tough competition between 27 and 2019. And then in 2020, he had to fight Justin Gaethje. And Gaethje put on an absolute incredible performance on Fight Island, excuse me, in Vegas at UFC 249. And followed that up against the, the guy who's in the main event fighting for the 155 title and Charles Dubronx Oliveira. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, Tony Ferguson. And it's hard not to look at this as being the main event because of how exciting Tony Ferguson is when he steps into the octagon. I kind of want to shift gears here, though, just a little bit. We mentioned it earlier, but Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier fighting on uh, July 10th at UFC 264. McGregor was just named Forbes' highest paid athlete of the year. They're going to run it back for the trilogy. And I'm beyond excited. I think this is the most excited I've ever been for a UFC fight in my tenure as a fan. Um, can Conor McGregor return to the fighter who transcended the UFC to heights that UFC president Dana White never could have imagined? 100% he can. Uh, like he said, he's got to check that leg kick, though. Um, <laughs> when it come, when we saw on the feet, McGregor was a superior striker. He had the better, he had the better striking. He almost, you know, he was close to knocking Poirier out with some of those shots that he had in the, in the first two rounds of that fight. Right. But Poirier's got a proven chin. We've seen that in the past fights that he's had with Justin Gaethje and Dan Hooker. Um, so you know what? This is not going to be a cakewalk for Conor McGregor. He's not fighting the same Dustin Poirier that he fought at 145. I think, you know what? I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and saying – if McGregor doesn't get it done in the first two rounds, the fight is going to go to Poirier. I don't think McGregor has the gas tank for it. I, I, that's always been his biggest problem was the gas tank. I love Conor McGregor. I love what he's done for the sport. But you mentioned he's the highest paid fighter in the UFC. I mean, in, in sports, making, I think it was $180 million he made this year. Once you start making that kind of money, do you really have the same drive and passion for the sport that, you know, you, you came up on? I, I don't know. I, I personally, me, if I was making $180, $180 million a year, it would be hard for me to be focusing on my craft and MMA. Um, I'm a huge Dustin Poirier guy. He, he's not a shit talker. He comes in there and does his job. He's coming off of some huge wins against some tough guys in the division. He's really fought everyone. Um, I would love to see Conor McGregor win because I think it's better for the sport, but I'm going to take Dustin Poirier on July 10th. Yeah, I hear you, man. It's hard not to ride with the diamond here because of his track record. Between 2017 and 2020, Dustin Poirier has fought Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, Max Holloway, Habib Nurmagomedov, Dan Hooker, and then, of course, on January 23rd here, 2021, to bring in the new year for the UFC, he fought Conor McGregor. Right. This guy's track record is second to none right now when it comes to active fighters in the UFC. And one thing that I just mentioned is that he's active. He stays right. active. And the guy's chin is undeniable. And I'm excited for this fight, but a couple of other fights that I'm excited about is uh, this Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards fight. 
yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk a little here about the 170-pound division, which Kamara Usman has showed he is truly the king, the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the sport right now. And he's, he's boosting his way and running his way up the UFC top 25 rankings when it comes to all time. This guy is an absolute animal. But Nate Diaz is back, man. And yeah. Diaz, his last fight was against Jorge Gamebred Masvidal um, back in 2019. And that was a hell of a fight. It, 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 you know, it would have been great if we could have finished that fight and see what could have happened there with Nate there in rounds four and five. Um, right. and, and, you know, ultimately that didn't end up happening due to a doctor's stoppage. But what are you expecting from Nate Diaz? And do you think he can maybe shock the world against Edwards on June 12th? And then the follow-up question to that is if he can beat Diaz, Usman's already said he may give him the opportunity if he comes out and impresses him against Edwards, who is the number two or three ranked fighter in the world at the 170 division. Do, right. you, think, do you think Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards and gets a shot at the title? Okay, so as far as the first question goes, Nate Diaz can 100% beat Leon Edwards. Um, Nate Diaz has one of the best chins and one of the best gas tanks in the UFC. He never gets tired. He can take a hit. Even if he gets knocked down, he is a great, he's, he's a big jujitsu guy. So he's comfortable fighting on his back and being down there. Um, Leon Edwards is a big dude. He's got some heavy hands. He, he, can, he can punch a hole in the wall. So, you know, Nate Diaz is one of those guys who, you know, he's real inactive. He doesn't fight every year, you know. Um, this is going to be a tough one for me. I'm a Nate Diaz fan, so I'm going to be rooting for Nate Diaz in this fight. I think he can do it. He's just going to get in – he's just going to stand in front of Leon Edwards' face the entire time and make him feel pressured. That's what the Diaz's do the best. And your second question is – I believe that would be the money fight at the 170, 170 pound division would be Nate Diaz and Kamaru Usman. That would do very well pay-per-view wise. Um, you think about guys like Colby Covington who definitely deserves another shot, but you know, Colby hasn't been that active and you know what? Neither has Nate Diaz, but whose fight is going to sell more Colby Covington or Kamaru Usman, the rematch or Nate Diaz versus Kamaru Usman. It's, it's not a question. So I would love to see Nate Diaz win. So Usman, could, we could perhaps make that 170 fight happen. Because like you said, there's really no one left at 170 for Kamaru Usman to fight. He's knocked out everybody. And he's done it. Um, he's, de he's, just, he's proven himself with these knockouts. With the George Masvidal knockout, I never saw that coming in a no, million years. Not at all. I never saw that coming. I don't um, think he did. Yeah, nobody did. Especially after we saw them go the distance in their first fight. Um, so you know what? I would love to see Diaz and Usman fight at 170, but Diaz has got to go through Leon Edwards, Edwards first, and he's an absolute monster. Couldn't agree more with you there. And, you know, Leon Edwards is also one of those guys, though, that hasn't really been active. He really struggled to get a fight for quite some time. Right. He's got an 18 and 3 record, but his last fight um, was against Balil Muhammad. And Muhammad ended up with the eye poke, and that one was ruled a no contest because Muhammad could not finish the fight. Right. Um, so he's only fought one time in the last two and a half years. And yeah. Nate Diaz has fought, you know, one time in the last two and a half years. And so when you think about guys coming off of, you know, a long time extended rest period, you know, this is a great matchup because they're in the exact oh. same boat. 
And this card is absolutely stacked here, UFC 263. My final, my final question for you is regarding UFC 263. So out of the three fights that are headlining this card, you're going to have Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz, which was supposed to be this Saturday on UFC 262, but had to be moved due to an injury to Nate Diaz. Right. Then you have the flyweight, uh, the flyweight belt on the line in the rematch, which was arguably the, one of the best fights I've ever seen, and Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo. And then you also have the main event. Marvin Vittori, the Italian stallion, taking on Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya, who's coming off a pretty disappointing loss to Jan Blachowicz uh, for the light heavyweight championship. So out of those three fights, which one are you most looking forward to and why? Definitely looking most forward to the main event, Israel Adesanya and uh, and, uh, Marvin Vittori in their rematch. Um, You know, Israel Adesanya is the middleweight king. There's nobody at that weight who is going to challenge him. I, I think he's going to take care of Vittori very easily. You mentioned his fight with Blahovich. I mean, he moved up 20 pounds to a different weight division. Blahovich was a monster. He was just bigger. He's stronger than Adesanya. And I think if Adesanya would have taken a little bit more time, like John Jones is doing, building his body weight up, he may have had a better chance. But at 185, no one's beating Adesanya. As far as the co-main event between Figueredo and Moreno, I love Brandon Moreno. He's a Mexican kid. He's a dog. But I do have concerns with this upcoming fight. I think Moreno may have fought the best fight of his career in the first fight that they had. And I'm just, I, I just don't know if his chin will be able to, to, to last the same way it did in the first fight. I'm going to be rooting for Moreno in this fight, but Figueredo has such heavy hands. He punches so hard at 125. Um, you know, a lot of people are asking Figueredo if he wins this fight to possibly move up to Bantamweight and, and challenge a guy like Aljamain Sterling or, or Pewter Jan. So that's also extremely, extremely exciting. This 263 card is absolutely stacked. You got a guy like Damian Maya and Belial Muhammad as, I think, one of the first fights on that card. Yeah, Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. I mean, this is definitely going to be one of the fight cards of the year. So I couldn't be more excited. I'm right there with you, man. I'm excited to see the style bender get in there again. And finally, you know, come back down to middleweight. It feels like, you know, he challenged himself. And I'm not going to say I was disappointed. Um, but I did expect Adesanya to win that fight against John Blahovich, who absolutely showed he is serious. Right, um, and he's up. He's got an upcoming fight here, I believe, in August against uh, Glover Teixeira, right. a long-time tenured veteran. So that's another one I'm going to keep an eye on. I'm excited for that. Um, I love the love that you give to Brandon Moreno. I think that the kid did probably fight his best fight ever against Davison Figueroa last time they did fight. Um, and it's hard not to be excited about a guy like Damian Maya and Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad's right. exciting. So um, you know, we didn't get to see his best against Leon Edwards. And that's a fight that I think, you know, people are going to look back at and, and truly say Bilal Muhammad at welterweight is a scary force and could be a force to be reckoned with with Kamara Usman, although I believe they're teammates. So you don't know how that's going to play out. It's always interesting when these guys do end up stepping in the octagon with a teammate. But right. Usman did do it against uh, Gilbert Burns. So who knows? But lots to be excited for. Dana White is always trying to make these fights special for the fans. Uh, It was great seeing the fans back in attendance, of course, on April 24th there in Jacksonville, Florida for Gamebred Masvidal and Kamara Usman. 
Um, but Jack, that's going to wrap it up for me, brother. I appreciate the time as always. Your insight is always very much appreciated and uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, my friend. Yes, sir. You too. Thanks for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Division Two Sports. For all Division Two Sports news, follow us on social media at Division underscore Two Sports.